Hello there. Welcome to Finnish Big. Hello. Hello. And this is Finnish, Finnish Big. Yep, we're listening our way through the Finnish releases in order. Yes, and I have an announcement to make. I sing oh, no. of Finnish Big, most beautiful podcast. Oh, no. Most beautiful, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say... Thank you to Colin Baker for our little intro. <gasps> oh, Colin. And he was only too delighted. In mm. fact, he did two versions of it. So you may see Colin again in a future release. <laughs> <laughs> ah. oh, wasn't he charming? Absolutely, yeah. I said to him, uh, we do a podcast called Finish Big. And you are our favourite, even though I know you don't like that sort of thing. And he went, well, why wouldn't I mind that sort of thing? You telling me that... I am your favourite. Yeah. Oh, it was lovely. Oh, it was really nice. We said we liked the purity box sets, That's didn't right. we? He said he'd been recording with Miranda Raisin. Yeah. Did he say he was recording with Lisa Greenwood as well? I think he did imply that, yes. He but said, not yeah. with Nicola Bryan. No, well, you asked him about that and he sort of looked off into the distance and was like, no, no, I've not recorded with Nicola for a long time. But we do know there's some Nicola Bryan coming out next year, so we've cribbed that from Rob Valentine recently. <laughs> anyway... Right, let's get on to what we're talking about this week. What are we talking about this week? Well, I shall tell you the releases. Great, I'm here for it. And they are The Church and the Crown. Doctor, how exactly do you swash your buckle? Bang, bang, a boom. The universe can wait. I am a woman. And Jubilee. (laughs) Something is in the most terrible pain, Evelyn. (laughs) Those last two sounded exactly the same. And I, oh dear, you sound a bit umpty. Are you all right? No, I'm fine, yeah. Oh, a bit of a, a cough. A bit of a cough there. Yeah, I'm all right. I had my troubles the other week when, <laughs> when yeah. I went clubbing. We have had a bit of poorliness going on around here, so mm. should you hear a quokiness of voice, it's because we've been too busy singing at the Intergalactic Song Contest. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll, I'll just make a note and just say as well, our last episode we did say we were going to include Necromancy here in this, but yes. we, we're just doing the three this time, so you'll have to wait for a future episode for our thoughts on Necromancy here. We couldn't face it this time. If you were looking forward to us discussing the sequence where Eremem almost gets raped, you're going to have to wait a few more weeks <laughs> yes. for that one, I'm afraid. Um, well, should we just start with the first one? Let's, Let's do get it. straight into it. Okay, uh, spoiler alert, everybody. There's... I thought all three releases this time were superb. Great. Okay. That's all. Okay, <laughs> fine. I was like, what, what spoilers are happening? Well, um, the first story then, The Church and the Crown, Ooh. was released in November 2002. And this is another Fifth Doctor story, so it's... Peter Davison, Nicola Bryant and Caroline Morris back as Eremem. Hot off the heels of No Place Like Home. Yep, this also features Robert Kerbishley and Wendy Abbotson. Those brilliant, well-known regular actors. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Robert Kerbishley and, what's her name? Wendy Abbotson. Yeah. Albertson. Might be working non-stop for all you know. Just because you haven't seen or watched any of the <laughs> things they're in, no need to mock them on this podcast. Uh, this was written by Kevin Scott and Mark Wright, mm. directed by Gary Russell. Yeah, uh, with music by Russell Stone. So we last saw 
Erin Mem when she joined the TARDIS in Eye of the Scorpion. Yeah, superb release there as well. this is a historical story. Yes. Which is always great for the Fifth Doctor because he didn't really have very much on TV. No, what well, they didn't really do these sort of historicals in the eighties, did they at all? So it's well, not like pure historical. No, no I mean so even refreshing what, the presentation. When they do it. And what it was refreshing last time because either Scorpion was pretty much a pure historical. Yeah, so yeah. we're going straight into another one. And was this there kind of time, any science fiction element to this beyond the doppelganger thingy? I don't think so. No, no it was pure no. historical, wasn't but it? Then, and then this. Three Musketeers time as well. I'm so I'm really surprised this was never done on classic TV. It's the Musketeers right, because it's cheap. All yeah. you need is three actors and a couple of beers and some rapiers. All yeah. for one and one for all. And I think inspiration from this was the Three Musketeers film, oh, the seventies yeah, one. It's very much like that. So you've already got all of those visuals in your mind when you're listening to this. You can see it all. I could just see that seventies film. All of every, what everybody looked like, the palaces, like in my mind, it was like on film. Oh, do you know what I was seeing? Um, because uh, Girl in the Fireplace is set in sort of 17th century France, that's King Louis, isn't it? And that as well. I think King so. Louis? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was seeing all those fabulous, you know, the bit where she's standing there in that fabulous ballroom going, such distressing noise. Mm. And, and oh, chandeliers dripping with jewels. Beautiful laced costumes. That's what I was seeing. Mm. And i got to say, this is a story I always forget how good it is. And then I listen to it and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And then I forget about it again. Yeah, it's not talked about a lot. No. And it's never stood out to me. It's just always been just the next one in that range Justice for the Church and the Crown. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, because there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing no, terrible about it this doesn't put a it's... foot wrong in its four episodes I don't think it might be because it is a historical and there's nothing else well no because I think the Peterloo Massacre people mm. talk about in quite high esteem yeah but like I think on every level you can sort of judge an audio I think it's got fantastic regulars like the Doctor and we'll go into this Doctor Perry and I remember are all really well judged in this brilliant guest characters well acted it's a witty, funny script with great exchanges. Um, I was like, I've spent half the... Look at this, look at my pad. I've written down tons of dialogue. Um, hang on a minute. I'm going to read one now. The king says to uh, Nicola Brown's queen, don't push me to do something I might regret. And she goes, too late. We're already married. Well, also the big thing about this, other than being the musketeers, is we've got this... Doppelganger Perry. Yeah, we're in Black Orchid territory, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. For... Just by coincidence, <laughs> the Queen happens to look like Nicola Bryant. Is this just a, we need to give Nicola Bryant some more to do? Let's give her, yeah, her so some acting there's challenge. A, there's a trivia point about that. Gary Russell insisted that Nicola Bryant was given something to get her teeth into. So I think she'd sort of already proven herself at this point that she can handle a meteor role. And they just wanted to give her something... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> they just wanted to give her something sort of juicy to get her teeth into. <laughs> and... They gave her something juicy. She was in that Judge Dredd the other week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the big selling point. Why are they suddenly giving all these extra parts to Nicola Bryant? They didn't Bryan? slap a sticker on the cover of this one and <laughs> no, go, they didn't. dual role by Nicola Bryant. <laughs> but I've got to say, she was brilliant in this. She is, yeah, and it shows how much acting she is doing as, as Perry. Perry. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like her role as the Queen, she's 
icy, isn't she? Mm, and yeah. she's doing that very upper class English she, accent. She's that sort of iciness that sometimes you get when you meet her at a convention. Yeah. She's in a bad mood. <laughs> that's the, that's Last who time you get. we went to a convention, she, she was in a, a terrible bit. mood. She literally was Queen Anne. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think of. That's what she's like when she talks to Get's you in real these life. Peasant fans away from me. No, no, I'm sure she's lovely. No, I'm sure I think she, she was is, just having a bad it's day. Just, yeah, it's just her. She's using her normal voice, and it always just. I just see her as. But the double act of her and King Louis, mm. it's like a bitchy sitcom because they've they've been forced to marry each other, totally fallen out of love. She's had an affair with Buckingham mm. and he loathes her now. And they have to keep up appearances, don't they, at all the functions. Mm. But behind the scenes, they are at each other like rabbits. And I don't mean they're having sex. <laughs> they're like cat and dog, sorry, not like rabbits. Rabbits is sex, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sorry. don't know what you're talking about. Cats and dogs is fighting, cats, yeah. So I'll mix my metaphors. <laughs> this is a really good story for Eremem as well, especially yes. as it's her second story. And she's coming aboard the TARDIS, but she fits really well. I mean, because she's that historical... character so she can she knows the way so when she when they're meeting the the king and all of that she knows the talk of the palace and the court it's brilliant because it brings her in straight away you don't get any of that initial you know jamie leela what's this what's going on because it is sort of a world that she already recognizes and knows how to navigate so she really just goes in so easy and fits into it Back really in well straight Isle away. Scorpion, she was used cause, because she was going to be Pharaoh, she was yeah. used to playing the political she, games. Yeah, that's the thing. She, all this political so she's stuff. there, and at one point, she tells off both Louis and yeah. Anne, doesn't she? And says, You should be ashamed of yourselves. You know, you're supposed to be yeah. the rulers of this place and you're squabbling like children. And it means also she can go off and have her own plot on her own pretty much yeah. straight away and talk to people in the court oh, and just get on with it. Fabulous in this. I mean, and what about those opening scenes with Perry? attempting to Americanise her and at one point she goes um, why do you make fun of the doctor so much Perry and she goes oh you've got a lot to learn Aramam like, <laughs> it's that sort of sisterly vibe that yeah. we talked about before and by all accounts Gary Russell was absolutely delighted with how they were both written for it it's precisely the vibe that he was going for yeah they've hit the ground running on that, it that sort of the two sisters together picking on dad mm. that's, that's the idea mm. and it's so fun to t- my god Peter Davison's got some fun fucking companions. Exactly. Yeah, it's a really good fun Who team. Knew it could happen. Yeah, with three of them. Well done, big finish. I can still, I don't know why, I can still, when I'm visualising this as well, Perry's still in her Planet of Fire outfit. I can't not unsee oh, her wearing it. Just because Davison. she's with Peter Davison. Well, she's got a long run and to be wearing know, that costume. What, those, those sort of peach. But shorts. when she's going so when she's going off wandering around the streets where she she decides to just go off on her own, obviously, for plot reasons. I just imagine her walking around France in these shorts and this top, which the obviously thing is that um, travels me is the RMM that we see eventually on the cover, yeah. which is Caroline Morris, and the RMM that you see in the DWM sort of preludes, mm. who's like a half cast. But they say about her Egyptian. hairs growing back already here in the beginning. Visually, they're very different. Yeah. It's like the two Evelyns. It's like the Maggie yeah. Stables you see on the covers and mm. the Maggie Stables from those comic strips. I always think Peter Davidson looks a bit weird on the cover with that hat on. He looks doesn't, very doesn't really camped, look like doesn't him. He? No, I don't know. It just doesn't look like him. I think he looks a bit like, um, oh God, what's that fella's name? Liberace. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that. Anyway. Do you know what? I think that is a picture of Perry from Planet of Fire. So that's why you'd see her like that. I swear that's a publicity she's not picture. A bikini, though. Well, you don't know. She's got a 
Three revolutionaries of France, where a tit should be. (laughs) Maybe Um, some trivia then. Well, no, no. There's a line, though, as well, which I really like, because it skips over the, you know, shocking coincidence of the two Nicola Bryants in this story. He says, Oh, RMM, the universe is full of coincidences. It keeps things ticking over. And that's basically all you need. That's the Terence Dicks covering it with a line to basically get Mm. to the point. I did want to say as well, I loved the character of Cardinal Richelieu, the priest, mm. who's initially shown as being sort of devious and sinister in, on, in the sort of shadows. And then as time goes on, you realise he's the one that's keeping this all together because King Louis is whoring and, mm. you know, partying and not doing what he should be on the front. He was a great character. It is your very, it's your classic historical with yeah. all these different characters, and I, but it's actually, I can, it's I think, called the Church and the Crown. So it's basically the, the Church the and the Crown seismic <laughs> shift between yeah religion and the monarchy. Yeah, there's a great line where the priest goes, "I work for a higher purpose," and the king goes, "No, Cardinal, you work for me." Like that. <laughs> oh. And it's full of declarations mm. like that. You know me. I love this stuff. All the melodrama of it. Mm. There, come on. Who are those men? From the colour of their tunics, I'd say they were Cardinal's guards. They're making for the street. If they get into the crowds, we'll lose them. Doctor! Have you no eyes, sir? I'm dreadfully sorry. Here, let me help you. Keep your hand. I may have been wounded earlier, but I'm not an invalid. Come on, Delmar, it's only a bruised ego. Of course, I didn't mean to suggest... Look, my friend, I I don't have time to waste. You think an apology is a waste? Rufay, help me up. I thought you weren't an invalid. Help me up, you wolf. He gave you an apology. Look, we simply don't have time for this right now. So, if you don't mind, we'll just be on our way. I don't think so. Stand faster. Ha! I think maybe I haven't remembered this as much is because it is that pure historical. And as it goes on, I you, you need to concentrate a little bit on who's doing what and who... Uh, especially all the all the voices can tend to blend a little bit. Yeah. So you do have to keep your sort of your concentration uh, was, for this. I, okay I think that's what that it is. Maybe this time around, but only because I thought the characters so were but so it is well fun. Yeah. delineated. I actually thought when the twist comes at the end of episode three, where you realise that Buckingham, who has been behind this entire. Mm all of these political problems is going to invade France. That's when it all steps up a gear and suddenly Mm. they have to work together to defeat him. And that's when the musketeers come in and do all their Mm. swashbuckling. And, you know, that's how I see myself, you know, sort of with a a rapier in my hand and rapier wit. (laughs) Instead, you know, I'm just a pork pie eating guy watching TV on the sofa. (laughs) By Henry VIII. You think I'm like Henry VIII? Well, I've had eight wives. Well, can I tell you how this story first came to be? Tell us. Well, it was sort of pitched as a a master story uh, with amnesia. So the master has amnesia. That sounds familiar, though. It is. It it was not this story at all. Basically, they they pitched the idea for Master, Kevin Scott and Mark Wright, and Garros was like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And, they, and then uh, one of them said, oh, well, we'd quite like to do Three Musketeers as well. And Garros went, nah, that's ridiculous, we won't do that. And then he went away. Before the end of the day, he phoned them up and said, 
I'd really like to do your musketeer idea. I think that'd be really fun. So they're all confused. And they said, but if you want to do the master story, you're going to have to wait until 2004, a part of the the villains trilogy. Um, so they said, no, no, we'll write this one now. So that went to Joe Lidster. Mm. So he was, Joe Lidster never came up for the pitch for that. That was these guys. So credit to them. But then they got to write this. Uh, apparently, Kevin Scott was going through a very turbulent period in his life, and he says writing this script got me through my darkest of days. Oh, that's nice. Well, well it's such a jolly romp. Um, but uh, Mark Wright says this is this was the difficult second audio. It's the play I'm most proud of, proudest of, but it was a bitch to write. <laughs> Um, he said the plot point that made everything gel didn't come to us until very late in the day. Buckingham's plan to invade France. So that wasn't in the original synopsis. So I'm glad that made it there. Um, they do talk about the historical reality of the Musketeers because apparently they were, in reality, they were drinking, whoring, tough guys. But what they wanted to write was the sort of, and I'm just going to say it again because they say it here, is the rapier wit of, you know, the ones from the movies. That's the, um, the Michael Roman- York, isn't it? Oh, Michael York's fabulous. Was he in Austin Powers? Is he the one who goes, Oh, Austin, hello, I've got a mission for you. Uh, maybe. I think it was him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm pleased they went for that more romance, that sort of oh, like, Hollywoodised yeah, version of Of course you are. That's the, doc- it's the imagine Doctor Who version as well in reality. If, if those it's not... lovely soldiers in this were going around, you know, raping women, so it wouldn't be very nice at all. I mean, and put Perry in that as well as the worst <laughs> companion. <laughs> it always happens to her, doesn't it? Although there's a few remarks on her beauty, and that always is. Yeah. But it, I'm glad that it didn't revolve around For once, necessarily. She's, Perry she's... is being kidnapped yeah. by men, not because they want to fuck her, yeah. but because she is the duplicate of Queen Anne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it is refreshing for Perry. Quite refreshing. Apparently, oh, this was the funniest bit of trivia, you ready? Uh, it was a crazy couple of days shooting. Like They laughed an incredible amount. And at one point, actor Marcus Hutton accidentally announced, this doctor is the strap-on. And there was a lot of laughter after that. <laughs> I can't remember if he has a line where, it, <laughs> where he says this doctor is the torture device or something like that. But anyway, <laughs> by all accounts, from conception to writing to making the thing to putting it all together, this was an absolute joy. It's one of those rare Big Finish productions where there was no problems at all and you, it kind of extends yeah. to the audience. Maybe this isn't talked about as much because it's a Perry Emmer Eminem. Oh, I can't say Perry Eminem. Perry Eminem. Perry Eminem. Perillium. Oh my gosh. The duo of Perry and Eminem. Perineum. Perineum. Maybe because it's a Perineum story. Do a bit of again for me, please. Go on. No, I'm not doing Eminem again. No, no, I'm not prepared today. No. What songs he sung? What I'm trying to say is maybe it's not because they. Not as popular well, as we... Speak, Judy, please as stand up. Please stand up. <laughs> no, no. Please stand up. No. Um, <laughs> maybe it's because it's a perineum story. No, don't it's do not... that. We can't do that every time Perry and Eremem are in a story. Perinem is what they No, called. just say Perry and Eremem. Perry and Eremem. I know it's a mouthful, but you're used to that. <laughs> Perry <laughs> and Eremem. And they're not as popular, or they weren't. They don't seem to be as popular. And maybe Ooh. those stories in that run. When we put these st- these about. stories out to our hose, our finished big hose. Mm. Oh, you are hose. Um, no one seems to like it. Remember? No, much. that's what I'm saying. 
yeah. It's strange, isn't it? And maybe that's why this suffers. Maybe we'll realise we'll get RMM fatigue as mm. we go along. Imagine if this was a uh, like a Tom Baker and... What, an RMM? And... Leela or something like that then oh, everyone would be like this is the no. best one this is great she wouldn't be contracting her words so it would sound very odd all no, this but yeah but you'd have Louise Jameson as Leela and then she would play the she would play the queen in a different you way you ain't gonna have Leela kidnapped by <laughs> the, the Duke same. of Buckingham it's she'd bloody slash his throat oh, yeah. oh. maybe if it was a different combination maybe this would be more up there but no, well, I'm very surprised how good I it was. I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. this. And as far as I'm concerned, it's two for two for and this Tidus team. three for all. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> I can't remember what I said. Did you have anything else to add about this? No, I don't think so. We've... Uh... The only thing I want to add is that Nicola Bryant gets to go full on Dawn Summers from Buffy at one point where she goes, get out, get out, get out! <laughs> which made me laugh I know Gary Russell's a big Buffy fan so I'm wondering if he put that in um, oh and I really like the fact the Doctor is acknowledged as both a Cardinal Guard and a Musketeer at the end so he is part church part crown it reminded me of when Sylvester McCoy is Red Kang and Blue Kang oh, yeah. at the end of Paradise Towers yeah. well it's safe to say the concept of Church and the Crown is the Church and the Crown <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 yep Okay, moving on. Oh, shit. Oh, God. We're going to have to reserve Everybody. a lot of time for this Come on, one. Ding, 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 Get your energy ding, together, ding, guys. Ding, 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 ding. So, bang, here, bang a boom. Here we have the Dravin delegation singing. <laughs> Come on. We are bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Released in December 2002 with Sylvester McCoy and Bonnie Langford. Oh, angrier. <laughs> <laughs> this also features uh, Graham Garden and Patricia Quinn. Oh. Amongst others. My little man. This was written by Gareth Roberts and Clayton Hickman. And it was directed by Nicholas Pegg. Ooh. And we have to say, obviously, music by... Andy Hardwick and Gareth Jenkins. There you go. <laughs> was it the pair of them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, well, there's a big bit of trivia about that, but I'll get to it later. Well, actually, it just says Andy Hardwick. This is sound design with Garrett Jenkins. Can I just say, I want you to go first on this one because I have a couple of reservations about this, despite the fact that I think it is very good. And I've done a complete 180 on my opinion because I never used to like this at all. So off you go. Well, I really like this because it's been a year since The One Doctor came out and this is The One Doctor Part 2, basically. second album. It is, yeah. Uh, So it's that same kind of style... Same kind of humour. Um, and I, I really loved it, exactly the same as I loved The One Doctor. It's just so as much, much fun. As much? Maybe not as this much. This is way longer. Only because, yeah, the episodes are about 40 minutes each. Yeah. So maybe it's a little bit over long. But I just love all of the different characters. There's, there is quite a lot going on for... At the end of the day, it's a simple murder mystery plot. I just felt but, so helpless. Yeah, but all of the parody of the Star Trek stuff. Yeah, the par- uh, it's basically written off, obviously, Curse of Peladon with all the delegates and everything yeah. like that. But obviously, the, the song contest. It's it is all of those one Doctor elements just put into uh, obviously season twenty four s- style story as well. So with Mel, especially with it's the seventh Doctor and Mel. I don't think this would have worked. It's Mel again. I don't know why these work with. 
Mel. I think it's because Bonnie's a very good comic actress. I can't see it working with anybody what's else. What's fabulous in this is she's the straight man in this. Yeah. So McCoy yeah. is having an absolute riot playing he the commander, is, playing the peak, spoons. He's like peak time and Rani here, I mean, he's isn't like, he? He sounds drunk for our yeah, But he gets it. Angry but he gets he's off he's always been told this is, you know, early on and he knows where to pitch it within his but time. You can tell he's had one glimpse at this script. Because some oh, of his line no. readings, no, no, some of his line readings are totally garbled. I was listening to this going, man, Colin sounded so assured in The One Doctor. Mm. McCoy has, doesn't, from scene to scene, he doesn't know what tone he's going for, but he basically just throws himself in there, and most of the time it works. Like, he, he is very funny in this. And it's quite a big guest cast, lots of different characters, but they all stand out Prestige on their own. guest a, casting a, as well. Like The One Doctor as well, all the different people you meet. There's so many different voices, different, but yeah. they all are very distinct and entertaining, and it's just so much fun. But they are distinct characters as well. Yeah. I mean, you've got Golos, who's this fizzing ball of energy. Yeah, yeah. You've got Nicky Newman, who's the hottest yeah. man on yeah. planet Earth, who's the uh, the Earth singing yeah. delicate. Um, Sabina Franklin as Dr. Eleanor Hardcourt. Oh. I only realised afterwards, it's a piss take, isn't it, of... Um, Helena, what's her face from Space 1999? See, I don't know Space 1999. Yeah. I just see Beverly Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation, no, which is exactly be, the same. It's supposed to be Barbara Bain's character no, from I, Space 1999. I just see Beverly Crusher, you know. Now, what, I mean, one of my issues with this is that I am a massive Star Trek fan. And, yeah, well, wait, I, it points out all of the stuff that is no, just so silly about Star Trek. everything Mark ever says about <laughs> Star Trek when I'm watching it for my other podcasts, they take the piss out of in yeah. this. Oh, remember that time we went down on that planet and faced you know, the Tavolian flu or whatever, <laughs> or the giant so rock monsters? He's laughing. I don't know why. I'm just laughing straight from when she's doing that monologue at the beginning and she keeps setting off the alarm. I think that's hilarious. She goes, All is well in Dark Space Aid. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> and that just sets the whole tone of the, the rest of the play. Just that initial monologue. And but you just know what you're in for. Whilst those jokes are funny, and they are funny, yeah. I think it doesn't quite get the Galaxy Quest level of affection parody. Clayton Hickman and Gareth Roberts are quoted as saying they lampooned Space 1999, Star Trek and Babylon 5 because the basic message was Doctor Who is the best, so there. So they're not doing it affectionately. They're basically saying these shows are yeah. shit. Yeah. Doctor Who is the best. I mean, they are all caricature characters. Yeah. But like you mentioned with Galaxy Quest, Galaxy Quest is completely different because they're all characters that you care about. and it's a, But these ones, when they all die and everything, you're not that... They're, they're just throw away. The funniest character for me was Jerry Packer. Oh, I love Jerry Packer. Jane Goddard. <laughs> <laughs> Mel knocks her out accidentally. <laughs> that, was, her over. that was the funniest bit of the whole Killed story. Her. She's like, keep that evil witch away from me. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I mean, you was laughing all the way through this. I think it's so funny. And, like, there was a, I think the, the comedy is good. I think it was very sophisticated in The One Doctor. Like, they went for mm. pantomime in The One Doctor yeah. and they got it absolutely bang on. Here they're going for parody and from joke to joke... It's more like a sketch show. And you know with a sketch show it's hit and miss yeah. as to how funny the jokes are. And sometimes I feel as if it went over a cliff. 
It's that death sting. I don't think that's funny at all. I think Every I time like Mel goes, it. someone's dead, and it goes, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and even Nick Pegg says, I, I wish that we'd been a little less keen to use that death sting. Because once you've done it once, it's not really funny the second, third, fourth, fifth time. Because people, this is like an act of Christie, people keep dying. Mm. But, I mean, it's got such energy to it, and it's so colourful... And the actors are clearly having a ball that you can't help but sort of get dragged along with it. Yeah. I don't mind that the, the plot is fairly thin as such. Well, I don't mind that. How do you feel about um, Sylvester McCoy finally turning in utterly perverted and being seduced by the armpits of Patricia Queen? I, I thought that was a bit strange, actually. <laughs> but because <laughs> but it, it's so... Um, it's that early... Because it's with Mel and it's season 24, you can accept it. No problem. Uh, she goes... No, Commander, I'm talking of mad, passionate love. <laughs> <laughs> and all the um, the Logan stuff, all the parody of Eurovision. But honest to God, there is genuinely a sequence where he's going, oh, I'm real. and you can hear his, he, he's literally been smushed into her tits. And I thought, thank God we never saw this and on I mean, TV. It must be fun for the act, like Sylvester McCoy and Bonnie Langford to do something a bit different, especially Sylvester McCoy. Because he can make those different choices. He's he yeah. got so many where he's that darker doctor, or later on, like, and I, when he's that darker doctor on his own, I find all those stories oh, see, pretty I boring. Quite like that. But you know I don't me, like it. I love season 24, McCoy. But yeah, but he it's, does it struggle with the line when he goes, Angry, I'm just not like all the other boys. <laughs> <laughs> or when he's talking to Mel about it as well, oh. you know, things that I do, things I don't do. <laughs> Doctor, oh, you've certainly chosen someone unique to, to start doing that with. <laughs> bon- I think Bonnie makes this, actually. Yeah, it's all, I, every scene that she's in, exactly like the one Doctor. Well, actually, like any of these yeah, stories she's that she's great. done so far. Who would have ever thought like, Bonnie Langford would be like that the absolute the standout? Queen yes, of the- she is. <laughs> But and the funniest thing is the way she just accuses she does the Donna Noble thing in Unicorn and the Wasp she accuses every fucking person on this and McCoy always goes oh no Mel what are you doing and it comes to a climax in part four where she's literally (laughs) accusing everybody but that actually is quite fits in with Mel on TV in like Terror the Vervoids or something you can see Mel doing that on TV I've actually written here, and I know you thought 4 was the weakest. I thought episode 4 is a minor masterpiece. Fast wit, crazy twists, and great jokes. The sequence where he's going through... He has his Poirot moment, Mm. Doctor, where he goes through every single character, and you think he's going to accuse them, and he doesn't, is that he just reveals... Eleanor Harcourt is a fake doctor. Mm. She goes, oh, I just wanted to go through the corridors with my <laughs> surgical gown swishing behind me. So he, he exposes all, and he accuses Nicky Newman. And he goes, oh, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. He goes, no. So maybe you'll forget your stage fright and go on and sing your song. You know, I, all of this stuff is oh, just comedy gold. I just love all the little wordplay that's put in it, like... He says, we're all convened in the restroom. I mean, the red room. (laughs) (laughs) It's that kind of stuff. It's just really funny. I just wish I could watch this. Confirmed. The shuttle has exploded. Total destruction. Will somebody kill that alarm? Please? Thank you. I hope we got them out of time. The matter beam pad. Something's coming through. Quickly. What? Huh? Thank goodness. We must have locked onto their life signs just in time. 
Commander? Uh, Parlez-vous Francaise? Give it up, Doctor. Huh? He must be disorientated. Uh, Lieutenant Strindberg, fetch some water. Sir. Commander Ballard, Chief Medical Officer Eleanor Harcourt reporting. What happened out there, sir? Was there a malfunction on the shuttle? Uh, uh, yes, uh, no, well, I'm not certain. I mean, it all happened so quickly. We detected an energy flare. Pilot, didn't you hear us trying to contact you? Pilot? Uh, me? Ah, uh, ah, um, no. No, no, we didn't hear a thing. Here, drink these. Thank you. Oh, that's better. Yes, what did I tell you? It must have been an overload of magnetic radiation. Enough to destroy the shuttle? I just don't know, Eleanor. Radiation of that kind is pretty unpredictable. I think we should let the commander and, uh... Mel, uh, pilot Melanie Bush. The commander and pilot Bush rest, Ivor. I'll show you to your living quarters, sir. Thank you, Doctor. Lead on. Well done, Mel. You really are very good at that sort of thing. Mm, Travelling with you, I have to be. Imagine the looks on people's faces and the physical comedy you could bring to this if this was on TV. Oh, and what about the joke at the end? Uh, It's time to stop commandering and to get on with some good old-fashioned doctoring. (laughs) Hang on a minute, Doctor. The music stops and Mel goes, we didn't have a satisfying ending at all. Like that. And then we get the whole sequence yeah. where Nicky Newman's going to blow up with the force of 50 and Angvian scatter bombs. Oh, it's so it's great. It's brilliant. It's absolutely wonderful. So I... I, I, I didn't like this at first when no, you first I heard really it. No, I really disliked this the first time around. I think I might have just had a thing against the Vesta McCoy audios back in the day because I was quite hard on a lot of them now like I still maintain with the rapture and things like that these aren't great audios but you know I've matured with time John and uh, <laughs> so know, so, um, I, I think this is really fun now I, I just I do think the jokes are hit and miss no but when they hit they really it's so hit. much fun it's brilliant. Oh, and the twist as well about the the peace conference. Being the peace conference, yeah, yeah. That was great. And then we keep cutting to the, the ridiculous songs. Yeah. Don't we? Ding, 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 ding. And all of, just all of that background, just building up the picture you, of the, like you say, like the Dravens and all, or just all the silly names of the songs and the different people competing and the description. And because it's like Logan like describing him, again, perfect for audio. Oh, that's Because he's saying... That Terry Wogan alike. easily... Described what's going on. Yeah. So it just worked perfectly in that way. Well, would you like some trivia about oh, this? Oh, please one? go on. This was pitched, and Gary Russell wanted it for the seventh Doctor and Ace. Oh, God. <laughs> no <laughs> way. No, I cannot imagine. That would just never work. <laughs> no, because Sophie Aldrin, no one can't act and two can't do comedy. She, no, it just doesn't work. No. And the writers begged for Mel. They basically yeah. said, this has got to be Mel. It's got to be season 24. Yeah. Or this ain't going to work. Um, they did the song contest because what they wanted was an excuse to bring together a load of aliens for something other than a peace conference. Mm. And then the irony was, it became a peace <laughs> yeah. conference, which I thought was very, very funny. Um, they did say that writing this was a struggle compared to The One Doctor, though. They said, we, we hadn't left it long enough since the last time we did a comedy we sort of looked at each other whilst writing this and said we're writing another comedy why so i think this is why they didn't do another one after this well I it's think... a follow-up to the one doctor it must have been from the success of the one doctor like doing different things don't they and this is sort of 
it's it's parodying Doctor oh, Who. Oh, I again. would love another one. Like then we'd have, <laughs> then we'd have the that sort of comedy trilogy, the pantomime trilogy. That's what we need. What Clayton Hickman says is we should have left it another year, just one more year, and then it would have felt less of a slog and more mm. fresh for us. So maybe then some of those grown worthy jokes that don't land for me might not have been in there because I think every joke in the one Doctor lands every single line. Alpha Centauri was supposed to be oh, yeah. in this. And of course, Jane Goddard does go on to play Alpha Centauri. So that's a weird coincidence. Is there a reason why Alpha Centauri wasn't? Yes. Gary Russell said, look, one, we don't want to pay for the rights. Oh. We'd have to pay Brian House's people some money. And two, let's not over-egg the pudding. Oh, but I think it would have been perfect. I mean, I love Jerry Brecker, but that is Alpha Centauri, oh, basically. I just like the idea. Mel, of... I want Mel to knock out Alpha Centauri <laughs> and accidentally kill her. That's what I want to imagine. Um, uh, the director said, actually, directing a comedy was quite serious business because you have to try and get everybody, one, to, to treat it seriously enough to do the acting, but two, to sort of get all the timings right. But he said Graham Garden's death scene in part four was very difficult to get through because he was overplaying it so badly. Apparently Bonnie and everyone were just in tears of laughter. <laughs> we just love to be in the studio oh, when they're God, doing this yeah. stuff. Um, there was a catastrophe <gasps> in behind the scenes of this. So as they are recording, a script is specifically put there to be marked. So once the recording is done the editors and the sound people know exactly where to put all that through. That was shipped off to Andy Hardwick or Gareth Jenkins. I can't remember which one. I think it's Andy Hardwick to do it and got lost. And it is almost impossible to do the sound effects without that script because he needs to know where they want every bit of music, every sound effect. Can't they just email it? Well, no, it was going by courier. And guess where it was? Where? Three weeks went by, putting this seriously, seriously behind, like, mm. schedule, you know. It, it was um, posted to Andy Hardwick's neighbour. Oh, he no. Three weeks later, he came round and went, oh, this has turned up, I think it's for you. <gasps> it's been in my post box for three weeks. Oh, no. I kept meaning to bring it round. Oh, God. Um, which put them seriously behind, and so all of the sound effects and music were rushed in the end. You wouldn't know, though. It, it's good, but there are a lot of repeated motifs with the music. Oh, I, I think that's... I would it, just say that's part of the plan anyway. It does do that wonderful fake stuff. Da, da, da. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dark Space 8. <laughs> Nicholas Pegg. Gary Russell directed One Doctor, Nicholas Pegg who you last heard directing Spectre of Lanyon Moore. I did. And I think these might be the only two he directs. He says, in many ways, I think Bang Bang A Boom is a better script than The One Doctor. Now, he does go on to praise The One Doctor, but he says it's doing different things and it's doing it extremely well. So this had certainly had a director behind Mm. it who, who really wanted the best for it. I mean, it's incredible fun, this, isn't it? It's so much fun. And after... Church, Church in the, the Crown. Crown, yeah. That's two really fun releases on the bounce and two very confident releases on the bounce. And this is the only... Is this the only second time we've had Bonnie Langford? Yeah, one Doctor yeah. in this. Oh, no. no and Fires the Vulcan. And then, so, when's she back after this? I, she's not in it a lot, is she? Is she in The Great? 
She'll turn up in Zagreus, but then we don't see her again. I think she's off doing other stuff. 50 to 100, she does a lot. She doesn't do that. Maybe, she does Catch 1792. Maybe the Juggernauts and Ju- stuff no, no, around Catch that time. Yeah, around that time. Oh, no. Flip-flop. Oh, flip-flop, we see her. Yeah, yes. we see her soon, actually. Yeah. Flip-flop, she's coming mm. back. Well, if nothing else, for Bonnie Langford, this is an it's absolute a- winner. Absolutely. And what do you think about that cover? It's a brilliant as well with the stars for the song called like the European Union type stars. The rainbow in the middle. Rainbow. It's the, the brilliant. The Doctor and Mel are in Star Trek costumes. I know. What, like, it's absolutely wonderful. I want that as a poster. You've got Eleanor Hardcourt there. Angvia. Yeah. Uh, who's that? I mean, Jerry Packer. Packer. <laughs> Nicky Newman. Yeah. That's the doc. That's Graham Garden. So that must be, um, what's his name? Loosely. Loosely as the or murderer. Logan. Or Logan. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> Look, it's been out 20 years. Get over it. Well, so um, what, I don't know what the maximum points is for Eurovision, but it's getting it. So is this, is this your favourite of these three? Uh, oh, maybe. Maybe. This is a, a stunning three. They're good three. They yeah. are brilliant three. Well, let's go on to the next one then. Oh, Which, oh here we go, Here's everyone. You've all been waiting for this. Everybody talks about this one. Here's Here my favourite of the three. Well, Jubilee oh. was released in February 2003. Excuse me while I orgasm in the corner <laughs> while we're talking about and this. And this brings back, obviously, Colin Baker as the Doctor and Maggie Stables as Evelyn Smythe. Gosh. This features the married couple of guest actor Doctor Who's. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Martin Jarvis and Rosalind Ayres. Uh, Mark's doing that strange accent (laughs) because we watch a fabulous YouTuber called the Philadelphia Whovian if you would like to see reviews from her they are on YouTube yeah she does one about Pip and Jane Bacon the married couple of Doctor Who so we've got another married couple here Um, this was written by Robert Shearman and directed by Nicholas Briggs and and Robert Shearman that's a surprise I've just read that on the CD well Jubilee everyone talks about Jubilee don't they yes where do you want to get into Big Finish get Jubilee it's amazing because obviously why are you saying that rolling your eyes this is fucking excellent yes Yes, it is it is Um, obviously based they based the TV episode Dalek that's from why this, a lot of people talk about which this. is why everybody talks about this. But so Daleks, actually, I just want to say Daleks. Go on. This is really the first instance of doing something a bit different with the Daleks, Good. like a lone Dalek. I can't think of anything beforehand. No. And if you're looking at the Daleks just generally, they are a bit one note sometimes. What we've what have we had really the first interesting thing is Power of the Daleks where it's like, I'm your servant. That's yeah. like, oh, Daleks are doing something a bit different. The rest of the classic series, maybe Remembrance of the Daleks is a bit different, but what nothing the, else... What about the good Daleks nothing, and evil? Nothing. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, it's evil rare. the Daleks. Parallel it's the Daleks exception evil. It's very rare. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, in the new series, yeah, and Big Finish from maybe this point we'll onwards... we do capitalist Daleks in the 80s. I mean, we love Dalek Empire. That's something completely different. But all of the other ones, it's just... I feel like the marketing for TV and audio is, oh, it's the Daleks, but they're a bit different this time. Yeah. Oh, it's the Daleks, but they're not acting how you always think this time. It's the Daleks, but what are they up to? Not what they usually are. And so, and it's, oh, there's so many different takes on it. that it's just, it's just happened again and again and again, where it's actually not that interesting anymore. So where it is interesting now, it's not for the norm, 
just to have them just being Daleks and killing people. That's what we want. But this, was... uh, but this is where it all started yeah. because of the success of this, I think. But... This is where it's like, oh, it's it's a, someone having a relationship with the Dalek. A Dalek's actually having a conversation. Oh, but it's happened so much now. Even now, this is unique. Yeah, yeah. Even after all those stories you talked about, this is still the best out-of-left-field yeah. Dalek story they have ever it's done. The, it and absolutely is. I can mean, I say I'm sorry. I don't say very often. Well, I just want to say... and. Terry Nation obviously created the Daleks, but I'm sorry, Terry Nation, you could never jubilee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just wouldn't. It just wouldn't happen. No. You need someone like Robert Sherman to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, I, the comparisons with Dalek, I much prefer Jubilee to Dalek. One, they are quite it, different anyway. Yeah, they are, but they do have some similar scenes. A, f- in them. a few similar, but not. This only is though. obviously longer. Yeah, it's certainly darker. It's a lot funnier. Because yeah. I don't think Dalek no, is Dalek that isn't funny. funny. Um, and this is a lot sicker as well. Mm. It's really uncomfortable in places, this. I want to do something I don't do too often and say that Nicholas Briggs gives the most incredible performance as the Dalek in this. Like, amongst all of these other actors, he's got the hardest job because he's playing a fucking monotonous Dalek mm. and he imbues that Dalek with menace, with smarts, with wit. I mean, it is a character in its own right and that is entirely down to Briggs. So bravo to him. He's also doing the music and the sound effects for this and both of those are brilliant as well. Very similar to Dalek Empire. So can we say this is peak oh, absolutely. Nicholas yeah. Briggs. Yeah, he is, he is on, really he's like at his creative zenith yeah. at this point. And I just think as a production, this is peerless. Yeah, I mean, I remember listening to this for the very first time when it came out. At, I got it at the time and it just stood out straight away and also it's an amazing doctor companion with the doctor and evelyn yeah, who are well in their stride their by height. now and we know them really well by now so this is a perfect time for them to have this kind of story the two of them the opening where they're talking about history mm. so he's basically insulted her profession by saying history is the the victors of conflicts and how they choose to remember history Mm. Um, and that is the theme of this story it's how we take things that uh, were terrifying in the past so rob shimon deliberately set this in the tower of london because once upon a time that was the center of uh, sort of religious persecution of people where it was the most terrifying place you were sent to be killed Mm. and now it's a tourist attraction that you take your families to a good day out oh go and see where all the beheadings took place but it's also perfect because the Doctor and Evelyn have been there before in the Marian Conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, they've yeah. got history with it as well, which just ties up beautifully. But th- what is so brilliant about this is that fucking Rob Shearman had a point to make. And it's the mm. thing I talk about with these once and futures and modern day audios. Is, no, but they do. They just throw things together mm. uh, under the title of entertainment and want, uh, accept us to swallow it down. Like, Rob Shearman had an angry point to make yeah. about how we trivialise horrors of the past he, he sets it in the Tower of London for that reason so we can make an analogy to our own history. And then he does it brilliantly with the Daleks where he takes this wholly evil race of, you know, they're the Nazis, basically. Mm. And it's exactly what we've done with the Nazis as well. And in this world where the Daleks have been beaten... Uh, what is it? You know, they've got theme parks for Daleks. They've got trailers for movies where Daleks yeah. are defeated. 
Um, you've got Dalek Juice, Dalek Aid. Evelyn Hot Lips Smile. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's quite horrific how we forget how terrible they are because they basically turn them into a joke. And, and it's what we did with yeah. the Nazis. And you've summed up, yeah, perfectly how a, this is why a story like this is still talked about and remembered because, yeah, Robert Sherman had all those ideas and yeah. that had all that depth. Whereas nowadays, I, th- I feel like, <laughs> this is my opinion, a writer's like, I need to do a big finished story. I know, what if the fourth Doctor companions met the seventh Doctor? Oh my God. And that's sort of the depth that you get now rather yeah, than literally yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff that you've just said. This is, this is such a cut above. <laughs> Anything, and I've heard some some pretty good stuff lately. You know, we did the third Doctor one. What was that called? Intelligence for War. That yeah. was really really good, yeah. but it wasn't as good as this. It wasn't as. It's smart. just got so much to say in this. It wasn't as angry as this, you know. And the Martin Jarvis. Oh fucking hell! Am I like, out of line to say that he? That's one of the best performances in any big finish. He's play. a brilliant actor. Anyway, he's fucking terrifying he's in this. Absolutely. Although I, I can't help but imagine him wearing his Vengeance of Varus uniform throughout this because he's sort of playing that president. <laughs> he's wearing the grey with the black sort of across him. Mark, that, <laughs> that is enough. Yeah, <laughs> his voice is perfect, and they're so and, and the wife as well. They're both so deranged. Yeah. Well, it's the way and that, the way just, he evolves the character. Yeah, so and the, we meet Martin never Jarvis, know. and you think he's a despot. Yeah, and then he goes to the Doctor halfway through episode two. I am not really. I'm just pretending. Yeah. I'm a good man. Yeah. And then in episode three, when he's almost convinced the Doctor that he is a good man that's pretending to be evil, he chops the arm off that man who's getting inside the Dalek. Uh, toy mm. and he's like what are you doing he goes well I'm not really evil I'm just pretending he's <laughs> fucking insane yeah. and then you get that with Miriam as well talking to Evelyn oh the line where she says um, oh yeah so he did hit me around the face but he didn't break the skin he didn't hit me hard enough you definitely get in those oh, elements from the so holy disturbing. terror from this as well aren't you yeah 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 but taken to another but level but it's the next level again and the biggest thing that people take out of this obviously the stuff from Dalek is Evelyn and the Dalek one on one some of the best scenes ever can I do the line okay <laughs> you'll kill me because I ask you why you won't kill me what is the matter with you oh, I love it it's some of Maggie Stable's best acting in Doctor Who mm. this I think uh, Pirates and Arrangements mm. for War. But it is very different to Rose and the Dalek. They are completely different types. I mean, really, your people are like, Dalek is based on this. It's just a one-on-one with a Dalek scene, or Dalek trapped that's been experimented on. That's really the only... But she starts to develop sympathy for yeah. the Dalek. Yeah. And the Dalek is always the Dalek, but mm. it won't let her die. Mm. And you're always questioning, why won't the Dalek mm. let her die? Mm. And I think it's because she's the one person that's shown genuine empathy for him. Yeah. And uh, he, all the Dalek wants, and this is what's great, is you think he's got some master plan that, you know, that he's plotting in that cell. No, he is just a sentry Dalek and all he wants is orders because that's what he was designed for, to be a soldier and to kill people. Mm. Fuck me, this character work is good. Like it or not, you will be my ally. Good friends, you and I. When we stand side by side looking out over the nation we rule, I would prefer it if the view was not agony to you.
It's like Santa's grotto. Yes, a bit too garish for my tastes. Fairy lights, the bunting everywhere, coloured ribbons. Do you think it could be Christmas? There's decorations and decorations. This many, it looks as if you're trying to smother whatever's hidden underneath. That's a very grim way of putting it. There's something very odd here. A white tower that's purple and orange and bright lime green. Doctor, what's that up there? That metal box? I don't know. Looks like an entire room. Just rammed onto the side of the tower walls. Yeah. Do you think it could be another decoration? Looks pretty permanent to me, and a bit too functional. Come on, I think we should try and find out what its function is. Right. Stealthily. I've got a bad feeling about this. <gasps> Doctor, what's that? It's coming from that metal room. Come on! I thought you said stealthily. Something is in the most terrible pain. No time for stealth. I got... I always used to get a little bit confused about the whole different time things with the different alternative Doctor and Evelyn and where that fitted in. But I like that there's those a bit more of that to work out, for me anyway. I can listen to this again and again and I always pick up something different. I think that's really cleverly done. You, Effectively, but it's such a cleverly plotted in out. In the first TARDIS scene, isn't it? Their yeah. timeline's fractured in two. And in one timeline, the Doctor goes 100 years forward. Mm. And in the other timeline, he goes and fights the Dalek War. Mm. Uh, and so, and those two timelines are bleeding into each other as the Jubilee approaches. It's a, it's okay. Again, it's a, it's a very complicated script as well. But There's then, so much substance. And therefore, you get that prisoner doctor. Oh my God! With please, the legs. can we talk about that? And I mean, okay, you wouldn't have this nowadays. This would not get past no. the BBC stuff nowadays. And I'm surprised they did it here. Well, but, you're supposed to think it's Davros, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Miriam goes, yeah. better him than the one in the wheelchair in the bloody yeah, tower. Yeah. And then the cliffhanger is the Doctor going, Evelyn, I never thought I'd see you again. And it just actually cuts. It's quite yeah. a... Oh, it's great. Choppy cliffhanger moment there. You get the moment where Evelyn says, I know no matter what I went through, even if I died, that going with you is still going to be the best thing that ever mm. happened in my life, which... You know, fuck me. If I loved Evelyn, I love her even more for that speech. Um, and then that amazing scene between the crippled Doctor and the Dalek where he's going, give me orders, give me orders. And the Doctor goes, I've got nothing to give you. All you can take from me now is my, is my life. And he kills him. So the Doctor literally dies in this story. I mean, it is dark. I mean, I think we're probably preaching to the converted here about how brilliant Jubilee well, is. Well, I think some people think, don't uh, like how dark this is, how long it is. I mean, I wouldn't want all of my Doctor Who no, to be this dark no, no, every no. week, but because we've had some light moments with the Doctor and Evelyn, and we know them well, I can't see it working with any other Doctor and companion. I feel like it really... It's just perfect for them. Uh, and perfect for Colin Baker And you know what? Act. With, with the advent of Jubilee, the Pirates, and Davros, and the Wormery, I think we, this is absolute peak Colin Baker yeah. with Big Finish. Now, he had, does have some good stuff down the line, mm. but I think this is the, the best material we ever got, some of this stuff. And this is kicking off the first Big Finish release of the 40th anniversary year as well. Yeah, what it's a choice. Jubilee. I mean, what, what a, a way choice. to start. I know. Can I just quickly talk about some of the quirkier moments of this? Oh, yeah. There's a bit where the Doctor's feeling a bit faint, so they give him Dalek juice, yeah. and it turns out where they've been torturing the Dalek, they take the secretions, <laughs> the sweat that's been coming off it, 
So it's effectively Dalek sweat and blood mm. and drink it. He goes, when we swallow down the Dalek juice, we swallow down a bit of them. Mm. I mean, that's horrible. And then there's the sequence with the midges. So Rochester <laughs> has the great powers of the world send their little people over to put them in Dalek suits so he's got a Dalek army to play with. The Americans send one and he ain't big enough to get inside the Dalek. And so the Doctor thinks, oh, well, that's that over with. And Rochester cuts his bloody hand off. He goes, get him out of there. He's going to bleed to death. <laughs> I mean, that is very funny and very uh, scary yeah. at the same time. And this story walks that fine line between mm. funny and scary throughout it sort of set me on edge from the first scene and it never let go. It's very, right everything is end. so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, how do they feel about making it? Is there any truth you're on what they thought, you know, what Colin Baker thought or anyone like that or, um, not Colin Baker. Go down? There's a big quote I've got here from Robert Shearman who says, I wanted to write a damning piece on how the 20th century is junk, how our demons became something that we trivialize and mock. The Tower of London was a focal point for this tale, a fortress that was once used for torture and execution and is now a tourist attraction. Um, I wanted my lone Dalek there to expose the hypocrisy of it. Mm. So again, he's, he's, he's got points to make. Um, Shimon said he had a stab at writing this, but then he had to come back to it a year later and he shoved in all these themes and the subplots and he overcomplicated it and he basically had to be reminded what the story was about, where he started, the point he wanted to make, and he he simplified it again and made it about the bastardization of history and how we allow the same historical atrocities to occur. Gary Russell says there were some decidedly unpleasant moments in this. Were? There are some unpleasant moments in this. Um, and that Rob agreed to cut back on the violence. The Dalek-less scenes were directed by Nick... Nick Briggs and the Dalek scenes were directed by Rob Shearman and Rob says that this is the most fun he ever had working on Doctor Who's story because Nick Briggs made it a really fun creative collaboration I think we're seeing both of them mm. at their height in this I mean I don't have any complaints about Jubilee no, at I all. don't. I think I the dialogue is on point I think the performances are on point the characters are incredible mm. um, it's packed full of ideas and substance what what else yeah is I say? think everyone agrees most people agree I'll be interested if people well, don't agree you, but... you didn't like the holy terror as much as me but you do seem oh, to no, like this I a do, bit more yeah I think maybe because it's Evelyn and the sixth doctor maybe Anything else you'd like to add no, about I, Jubilee? No, I agree with everything. It's just brilliant. I mean, the episodes are fairly long. About 40-minute episodes I as well. I didn't feel it, though. I didn't feel maybe it. The la- maybe the towards the end. I thought um, you was falling asleep in that last episode. Maybe towards the end. They're just a little <laughs> bit over long. But um, apart from that, I have nothing else the to The quality of these three releases. They're, well, they're all so different. They're completely different tones, but aren't this, they? again, is another... You, to, to, to walk <laughs> that line between comedy and horror like that... Yeah. You've got to be confident. So we've said confident for all three releases. So is this peak big finish for us? Uh, it, I think 2003 is very peak big finish. Wow. For the 40th anniversary year, I think. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to do yeah. even more then after this. Well, then, yeah. When on earth are we going to get our next dud? We've been saying all these lovely uh, no. things. <laughs> What's coming next? Necromantia. Oh, we ain't got to wait long. <laughs> it's coming up. On <laughs> oh, no, the Dark Flame. What's oh, so after that? Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> We've hit our zenith. We're about to go over a cliff. Well, it's chronology time. Mark's chronology <laughs> moment. 
Church and the Crown. Yeah. We had um, No Place Like Home last time with the Fifth Doctor and Aramem on the TARDIS. Yeah, that remember? came after Eye of the Scorpion, as far as I remember. Yeah, but now Church and the Crown is going in between. Because at the beginning of this, yeah. they're just talking about Aramem's just been on board, she's getting changed, um, and they're talking about as if they've literally just left because... Oh, uh, they she's like, with that one in later? Yeah, because I think this comes after... Church of the Crown, because this is where uh, she mentions about Antronach, naming Antronach, Antronach. And oh, of course she doesn't. Yeah, they already know he's called Antronach. Yeah, no place so this is going directly after Eye of the Scorpion in the way that they're talking, because they're supposed to be dropping her off somewhere else Your and then they decide chronology. not to. So it's Eye of the Scorpion, Church of the Crown, and then No Place Like Home. So a little bit of a shuffle around there. What about Bang Bang A Boom? Bang Bang A Boom. Well, obviously season 24... We haven't at all what we had last time. Oh, Fires of Vulcan last time, didn't we? Yes. We put that right at the end, I think. I want to put this really early on. Good, because you can't put it too near Dragonfire. Because otherwise, they're going to be confused with all these Patricia Queens turning <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I feel like the way Sylvester McCoy plays it as well, it's very early on. He's mixing his metaphors as he does in oh, Time in the Rani. Christ, yeah. And <laughs> does he do it? A f- he does it once or twice in Paradise Towers? There's a I few, think. I think. So I soon drop it. Though. I'm going to do it really early because it, because of that. Basically, wouldn't it be hilarious if this came straight after Time in the Rani? No, well, no, I'm going to put it after Paradise Towers just oh, okay. so we don't go completely crazy at the beginning <laughs> of that season. <laughs> We've got Time in the Rani, Paradise Towers, and then Bang Bang a Boom. I think then Time in the Rani, Bang Bang a Boom would have been funnier. But we've got plenty of other Seventh Doctor and Mel stories to yeah. slot. So Where we the don't... fuck do you put Red in about homicidal killers? Well, a, I think I think as that season goes on, it gets more and more serious. Oh, okay. So whereas that's why Fires of Vulcan was a nearer the end just before Dragonfire oh, because it's yeah. got a different time. Whereas this firmly belongs at Ooh, the top. I look forward to seeing the graphic of this one. Mm. Um, and then Jubilee. Ah, yes. Now this... I think should start off a new little season for the Sixth Doctor. Remember, and there's two lots of Sixty and Evelyn in this. Yeah, are well, you just going no, with the ones, the normal course, ones, just as okay. the story itself? I'm not getting that complicated. But there is talk of the Doctor's coat in this. What about it? Because they say about that's his coat with all the colours and everything, don't they? And last time we had real time with the blue coat. Oh yeah. So and we put real time at the end of. The, oh, straight after the Sandman. I'm going to put Jubilee straight after the Sandman as its own season, and then real time is sort of after Jubilee, and we're going to have to just push that along until we find an appropriate so what, spot. Will the pirates be the beginning of the new season then? No, no, no. So Sandman finishes the end of the last season, Jubilee yeah. begins. Real time is sometime after Jubilee, oh, but we I don't know where. I see, I see. Because I'm going to wait until we get another mention of the blue coat which we haven't had yet. It's been unrelegated from the finale yeah. of the so first season. So it's not going to go there because he's still in his colourful coat at the moment. What a great way to start a season, Jubilee. Mm, yeah, and it's guessable. Yeah, and that's it. Wow, well, I, I approve. Yeah, I'm getting quite into this chronology <laughs> stuff, you know, as we go along. Um, are you feeling like a total ho? Are you a doco ho? <gasps> I am doco ho. Let's find out what doco ho said at the time. <laughs> hey ho! <laughs> So, Church and the Crown, Doc Ho Ho would like to tell you, fresh from the premiere of Church and the Crown, (laughs) it's a fresh approach to telling a historical because it never takes itself too seriously, and as a result, you get swept away in the swashbuckling adventure of it all. Yeah, agreed. 
Uh, he also says, I have to put in a word for Andrew McKay, that's uh, King Louis, who chews up the non-existent scenery with relish as the spoiled, arrogant, self-pitying King Louis. Very good. Thank you. Uh, okay, bang, bang, a boot. Oh, dear. Oh, I think you had different views, Doc didn't you? Doc Oho was not impressed with the comedy. I that. He says, comedy is such a delicate beast. If it's done well, it can be the most incredible experience. He's a bit over the top, isn't he? I mean, he writes like a right drama queen. I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. Okay. When done well, it can be the most incredible experience, since laughing is one of life's great pleasures. <laughs> Fuck me! How did anyone read this shit? You are, Tolstoy, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alan Bennett, didn't you know? I'm Banksy as well. Luke Malloy read this, you know. It explains a lot. Um... It says, when it, uh, when it is cooked up to the level of bang, bang, a boom, it is excruciating to endure. Wow. Oh, you changed your mind, though. I have. I've completely changed my mind. He also says, the characters that, are being, uh, that they are being asked to play are one-dimensional, idiotic, charmless, and pretty much unbearable. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the direction feels totally out of hand. Yeah, do you know, I do think comedy is a bit of a unusual beast in that, depending on where you are in your life, you like different types of comedy. Yeah. I'm an old man now, and the world's a horrible, cynical place, and I actually quite like things that are a bit over the top and a bit silly in camp. So I really like this now. But that was back in the day when I was a young, hot whippersnapper, you know, far more interested in the jubilees of this world than, uh, than bang, bang, a boom. Okay, what do you say about Jubilee? I bet it hasn't changed. It hasn't, actually. It's, I said, Colin Baker gives a scrumptious performance in a script that gives his doctor loads of great things to do. Oh, I like this bit. This is good. Occasionally, he can write well. Martin Jarvis really crawled under my skin in a way that few Doctor Who tyrants mm. can. Um, and then I said, I don't know what this first word is all about. Alarmingly inventive and brooding. I adore this story. Yeah, I think everybody does. Fair, fair, fair. Well, are we are we gonna hang out with the hoes? We're gonna open the hoe bag and see. <laughs> what By the way, said. thank you for all your comments, big uh, Finnish big hoes. Yeah, because we we did have a, a fair response here. Okay, so who's okay, so first up? We have David GP. Ah, smart David. And he says, are these three stories an example of Big Finish at their creative peak? Yes. A pure historical romp followed by an outright comedy send-up and then a dark envelope pushing Dalek story. Oh, he writes a lot better than Doc <laughs> Oho, doesn't he? Is it controversial to say that this is the variety modern releases lack? Yes. Mm, we did yes, think of that, didn't yes. we? Well, no, because there's no main range anymore, so you don't have that sort of variety from release to release. No. You have the variety in the different Just, ranges. But like in the box sets, you don't really. They're, if you have three in a box set... Yeah, they do the same sort of thing. Well, they, they don't really do a go... theme. Ninth Doctor does a theme now, doesn't it? Yeah. Travelling home, absent three, friends. Imagine if you had a box set and these three were like... Completely different. Yeah, yeah, it would be quite refreshing, wouldn't it? Mm. But, like, you know, we did the Intelligence for War. That was very Third Doctor. We I, we did a Ninth Doctor one today. That was very new series. But so I suppose there now... is diversity, but you have... It's from range to range. Because, yeah, they're very different because those Third Doctor ones are creating the time, the time that it's from, yeah. whereas 
these are trying to do something different as well and push the envelope a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I and do not just recreate. I mean, uh, there was a I time when the I had Violence of Jubilee and Vengeance of Varos aren't that far off, are they? No, you know what I mean. I mean, Jubilee is even more extreme. Yeah, but yeah. Maybe what does Martin Jarvis think Doctor Who is? I was reading all these <laughs> stories. He's like. No. Another Remember, one, all this he was, violence. He was Prince Helio from the Web Planet as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, that thing got his wings ripped off. What it's about violence, violence, violence. Someone got air by a dinosaur, I'm sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he thinks Doctor Who is. Yeah, violence. Have you ever read, heard him doing the Invasion of the Dinosaurs reading? He's a brilliant reader. Oh, yeah. his voice. Mm. Honestly, he's wanting to do like a sex chat line, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, hello. Anyway, I'm taking my clothes off now. <laughs> mm, what's that? I'm wearing Packer Raban. Sorry, sorry. Go on. Okay, next, uh, Brendan A. Jones. Oh, handsome Brendan. You know, he's been down the gym again. Has he's been he? posting pictures in a vest. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, Very nice he, on my timeline. He says, I cannot imagine Big Finish today doing a story where the doctor's legs are chopped off. Yes, Jubilee. Followed by his detailed description of watching his companion's body decompose. Jubilee is brilliant. I've always said he's a smart bloke. Uh, he says, Church of the Crown can only remember as being a very good historical, and Bang Bang a Boom is great fun. That's two for two, three for three. Yeah. All agreed. Uh, next, we've got Luke. Oh, Lost we're going to have some contention now. Big ho is here. He's our biggest <laughs> ho, isn't he? You know, he bends over like a proper ho he does. <laughs> he says the Church in the Crown is such a fun, brilliant romp. And that's from someone not keen on Perry Eremem nor historicals. So historicals. He like Perry Sorry, Eremem. I was going to say Perineum again. He like Perineum or <laughs> He doesn't like the Perineum. No, well, no, I think we know that. <laughs> you think he'd like Perry and Eremem, two pretty girls yeah. in the TARDIS. Anyway, then he says, Bang, Bang, a Boom spends far too long getting to what it should be about, the song contest, rather than a murder mystery. Oh, oh. I think he's trying to do both. It's doing the song contest mm. and the murder mystery. Uh, but it's like I said, I think of all of these three, that's going to be the divisive yeah. one. Uh, and then Jubilee, Rob Sheeran smashes it once again. Yes, although he did send me a personal message saying he thought that Jubilee was his weakest, of which yeah, I contested greatly. But out of like a top tier, they're always amazing, aren't they? That's right. So there's one's got to be weaker, but... It's still three great stories. Not, yeah, Luke, brilliant. don't worry, you're still our best hoe. And then we've got Darren Lit Roundels. Oh, this is going to be great. Go on. Mel going around accusing everyone in Bang Bang A Boom is wonderful. It's great to have the fun <laughs> Seventh Doctor is. back again. <clears throat> you can keep your dark Seventh Doctor. And he's got that little, like, Oh, sick the face. vomit emoji. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's we want what that fun camp Doctor. I don't like the dark Seventh Doctor as much. It's too much. Well, I think McCoy plays him well. He, he plays that better on audio because he can do that sort of brooding. I mean, like, uh, Master or something. But when it gets to, like, Valahar and... Valahar? Valahar. Valhalla. Valhalla. Oh, you know what I mean. All You're going ones. to the great hell, Valahar. <laughs> <laughs> when it gets to all those ones, it's just, it's just a bit like, oh. Oh, look, here we go. He's and in agreement with you. say, I love all the Star Trek Space 1999 gags. A brilliant cast. Yeah. Yes. Oh, lots of love for Bang yeah. Bang A Boom. Um, carry On. Carry On? Yeah, go on. Uh, says... Was oh, that the name? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> carry On. Oh, make sure you don't cover own blood. <laughs> um, adore, adore them all, but especially Church and the Crown. That was the first and only Big Finish release I had for years growing up listening to the CD on repeat. means that it feels just as much part of season 21 as any of the TV stories. It's sublime. Do you know, Carry On makes a fabulous point there because I've got certain Big Finish stories that I've heard so many times. I kind of think of them as part of certain seasons. Mm. Yeah. But not all, just some. 
<laughs> it's a very selective process. Oh, and Darren Lit Roundels again. He, that's what I was going to say. What? It was great to have an ever-specific theme tune after the awkwardness of using the Delia theme for everything. So we start with Bang Bang and Boom has our ever-specific oh, yeah. theme tunes from now on. Yes, great. It does. I don't know why. And Colin's got difference. Colin's got the trial theme. Yes. And then he gets his old Peter Howe theme for mm. the Perry stories. Yeah. So we get they fit appropriate. Fabulous. Which I don't know why it took them so long to do. Probably because they had to pay the money and everything. But yeah. I'm glad they did make that change. Yeah. Um, Cy Hart. Who? Simon Hart. Who? Cy Hart. I don't know. <laughs> it says is Jubilee too nasty to be a Doctor Who, or does the satire of it give it a free pass? It's a good question because it is very, very nasty. I mean, I can't believe he took out some violence. I tried to figure out far it I said it was he was angry. He obviously had a big point to make. What do you have decapitations taking place and things like that? I, I think it's okay as a one-off like this. You wouldn't want it to be. You wouldn't want it every week, no. but you wouldn't want. But the story, I think, justifies it. Is That's there a the nastier difference. story than this? I can't think. Not that we've had so far. Let's keep an eye out for it. Okay. Everything we've listened to so far, I, this has been the worst. Nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, those heads were exploding it... in real time, weren't they? That, but but oh, that, it, was, that was only nasty. fairly brief. No, this was uncomfortably nasty. The, the sequence where the Daleks being uh, tortured, you, you can hear the mm. instrument going into his optic nerve. But it's not just nerve. for the sake of it. It's, it adds to all of the story in that world and what's going on. And the, yeah. It, it's justified. Thank God we didn't yeah. see the doctor, the visual of the doctor with his legs cut off, because oh, you'd imagine it would be all dried blood everywhere. Oh, nasty. Uh, Joe Short. Oh, lovely Joe Short. Uh, says, Jubilee is a solid gold classic. So Dark, ask, funny and brilliant acting. Oh, so she was lovely. And she's smart too. Crashed dummy. Some of these people have got great names. Says, is Bang Bang a Boom a disappointment after the one Doctor, or is it absolutely fine but unfairly judged against one of their best big finish stories? You can answer that one. I don't think it's a disappointment. It's, it's again, I think I do think of it as the one Doctor part two. I don't know why people don't like it as much as One Doctor, actually. I think because they're both comedies, that's where the comparison comes from. But they are very they different comedies. They are different comedies. types. Yeah. They're absolutely different types. Although, whatever your thoughts on it, how good is it, good is it to have the proper theme tune for each Doctor, finally? Yes, yeah. very, very good. Uh, James H. Ah, yeah. He'll have some good things to say. Uh, says, Church and the Crown. Given Eremem was a last-minute companion, this feels utterly perfect for her. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. One confusing cliffhanger, but a ton of musketeer silliness. Oh, and Perry Double works perfectly in audio naturally. There's a, a, there's a few more comments there. You better oh. click on that one. Oh. oh, gosh, yeah. Didn't see that. Oh, God. Go on. Um, bang, bang, a boom. Tries too hard to recapture the su- success of One Doctor and doesn't quite succeed. He has good ideas, but just felt a little too forced. I do think it does feel a little forced in places, but... For me, it, nowadays it hits, so I, I, I do really like it, but I don't um, disagree with him. He says, uh, Jubilee, I've never understood the time paradox. Splitting <laughs> it's you! See, that's what I said, it's at least it's not just me. I thought it was quite clear, I mean, the, it, just because of the it direction. It takes a bit of time, but that's when you can listen to it again and again. Pay attention, James and Mark. It's I not, had no confusion. He says it's not as good as Holy Terror. Again, tries too hard. Ooh, mm. I'd probably put them on par. I'd actually say Chimes of Midnight comes underneath those two, mm. but still was extremely good. And he does say, are oh, you after Necromantia, as the last video suggested, as yes, I have things to say. Oh, I bet Hold you do. Thoughts. We'll I let bet you know. Do. We'll let you know. We'll all okay. enjoy that one together. Um, and Woo. And Woo. <laughs> says... No, it's supposed to be a Halloween one. And Woo. Oh, right. Eremon was a great companion, worked brilliantly with Perry. 
True, very true. I think his name's Andrew. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I can't help it if people that, put names up like this. That's, that's the joke, all right? Okay. <laughs> right, back to where were we? Okay, the Toymaker's Cat. Says. Toy maker's cat? <laughs> Has he got a cat? Now. I bet he's fat and ginger and fabulous. <laughs> One memory I have of Bang Bang Boom is Eurovision music on the music CD, but I remember enjoying the story at the time, though now it's tainted as it's part written by a transphobe, but the acting is fun. Yeah, and I think it's perfectly valid. <laughs> we didn't cover that. I, it's perfectly valid. I'm not to, involved. No, no, you don't have to be involved, I'm going to say it. <laughs> to have a bad taste in your mouth that somebody who has written these stories has done some terrible things and said some terrible things. Hang on. I'm just saying. Um, But for Mark and I, we can absolutely separate the art and the artistry and enjoy the stories. So that's where we stand on I never on really this. think of the writers that much until you say... Well, you who's should. Written that? Who's written that? I'm like, I just used to... Oh, I fucking never hell, Robert Valentine's not listening to this I one. Think, no, <laughs> you know what I mean. Sorry, Rob, we don't think know, about you as no, the writer. No, no, Your contributions are irrelevant. Well, back, back then, I just bought the CD. I didn't really look who wrote it particularly. I mean, obviously not Rob Valentine because he's fabulous. <laughs> yes. And very handsome, but you know, there's so many AIs writing big finishes these days. That, uh... <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Got more comments. Come on. Oh yeah, sorry. James Lark. Ah, uh, do you know what he's new on my hamster book clubs? You know, oh. fabulous contributor. What well, he says? Look at these three all in a row. What a time to be alive. Oh, James, you're fabulous, and so is your opinion. One of Big Finish's great achievements to this day, unmatched by the proper series, is to show how entertaining historicals are, and it is a measure of this that the Church of the Crown is somewhat in the shadow of the historicals surrounding it mm-hmm. but it's great swashbuckling fun and captures the essence of its source in its sustained wit and cheeky subversion of cliche a wonderful seek from someone who sees everything to arms for a blind man or the doctor's <laughs> optimistic all for one followed by silence oh my god he's so smart honestly jubilee is magnificent oh more there's more futile to choose a favorite shearman at this stage but I enjoyed it even more than chimes I know, heresy. Not least thanks to an absolute tour de force by Martin Jarvis. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Genuinely unhinged, but also genuine. A contender for best star performance ever. I said that earlier. Yeah. Didn't I? And I don't think it's wrong to say that's better than Chimes. I Mm, I agree. Yeah, good point. As for Bang Bang A Boom, it lacks the focus of the One Doctor. Affectionate parody of Doctor Who is traded for a snarkier, less-on-the-button parody of Star Trek with bits of other things thrown in. And something involving Eurovision really needed more songs. Yeah. But a word in praise of McCoy and Langford, yes. who rise to the occasion with great comic instincts, choosing subtlety where there must have been a temptation to overdo it. McCoy handles the wordplay, not always his forte, with panache. I was surprised by just how much I enjoyed this one. Yeah. James Lark, you won. I'm not just saying this because your opinion is basically chimed with mine. <laughs> if you want a guest star on Finish Big, be my guest. Uh, next, we've got Rod Who. Oh, Rod Who, go on. How would Eric Sayward have approached the script editing of Jubilee? Would he have embraced the gruesome nature of the story? Uh, yes, he yeah, would have. He would have loved every second of it. He'd, He'd be said, like, Come bring on. it on. I want to see the Doctor having his legs chopped off. He would have said, well, the thing is with violence, you have to see the consequences. That's what I always thought. That's not Who's very good. That? that was Eric Sayward on the DVD extras. That's the old voice for everybody. <laughs> well, it was all John's idea. He wanted this and I had to go along with it. Yeah. And do you know what, right? If he'd have written this script, Jubilee, yeah, wait, after John Latham Turner had died, it'd gone out. He'd still yeah. say yeah. it was all the fault of my ex-producer, John Latham Turner. Yeah. 
Go on. Oh, Daniel Knight. Oh, he's very handsome, you know. Bang Bang A Boom is great fun. Sabina Franklin channels Barbara Bain perfectly. <laughs> is that Space 1999? No, that's... Oh. Sorry, everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I uh, plus, it feels generally like season 24, the casting of Graham Garden and Nicholas Grace. It really, you know, uh, JNT did all of that sort of um, mm, celebrity casting all, in season oh, 24. It. Yeah. So it just feels so authentic. Uh, Joe Lawallen. Ah, Joe Lawallen, yes. I've not listened to many of the earlier big finishes, but I've listened to Bang Bang A Boom. I think the Star Trek pastiche was hilarious and it seemed everyone was having a lot of fun. Everybody's loving Bang Bang A Boom. Oh, Rod, who's back? Oh, hello, Rod, uh, again. Imagine it's 1987 and who would you cast in the lead supporting roles of Bang Bang A Boom? Go as camp as you like. Oh, of course, I'd have the entire cast of Heidi High in there. Oh, my God, yes. Sue Pollard. Sue Pollard as oh Jerry Packer. No, <laughs> she could go, there's been another murder. <laughs> she could play like the... the oh, just, God, uh, like that... The yeah, serving girl. Like we watched on that um, murder mystery, and Angela Rippon as the, as the doctor. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> so in this murder mystery program, what was it called? Um, like celebrity murder mystery. Anyway, Sue Pollard was there and they had put her in the role of the cook. She made this sort of blancmange and then somebody died, the sort of face palmed in the blancmange and she went, oh, oh, my God. And after all the effort I put into that, she could have those lines in Bang Bang A Boom. Yeah. Oh, Sue Pollard would be great in this, wouldn't she? Yeah, she would. I'm surprised she weren't in it, if I want to everyone else's. Um, Jack Coyer. Oh, lovely Jack Coyer. Is this the greatest three-story run in Big Finish History. 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 <laughs> and guess what, Jack? They didn't fuck it up. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just because I wouldn't have thought this because I've never really considered Church and the Crown as being there before. Existing. You know, existing. But um, I suppose, yeah. It's a very strong three-story run. I feel like I just... We wanna... haven't done three on the trot where we've been this enthusiastic no. about all three of them. No, there's always been a, like a dud there somewhere. So, yeah, so this far, peak, it's big our finish. greatest run. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Denyer... Today this should be says, the greatest run in what our podcast. other main range release that you have covered so far would you choose to be loosely adapted into a TV episode and for which new series, Doctor? Oh, Christ on a stick. Well, we sort what of a question. Had, what a question. Well, Fires of Vulcan sort of turned into Fires of Pompeii. Spare sort of turned into Rise of the Spare parts have sort of already been done. Would it be Chimes of Midnight, maybe? Is yeah, the obvious yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Or Blood Tide, actually. I'd like to see Darwin. Imagine and if Rusty Davis did Chimes of Midnight starring India Fisher and Paul McGann as a special oh my God. for the 60th anniversary. Oh, my God. Can we just get that prayer circle ready right now? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, if you, say things, if you say things three times like the Candyman, they come through. <laughs> Chimes of Midnight for TV. Chimes of no, Midnight no. for TV. Chimes of Midnight for TV. If you get the Chimes of Midnight CD, look in the reflection and say it, and it comes true. Is that right? Yeah. Is that an old wives' tale? <laughs> yeah. Could you do the next one, please? Okay. <laughs> uh, BF2000. Um, I th- honestly think Boom Bang A Bang is underrated. I also do think Jubilee is a stone cold classic. Robert Schumann gives us modern who at last. Colin Baker gives an outstanding performance. We really got to see what we lost when the BBC fired him. I've got to say, you hoes are at your absolute fabulous hoist today. Uh, they also say it was the first big finish I ever listened to. Only a few years ago, I was blown away and thought they would all be that good. I'm so sorry. I thought... <laughs> uh, shame that... Robert Schumann didn't want to do any more. Why hasn't he done any more? Do we, well, we address yeah, this already? He's off writing his shy songs for the sads and cynicals. 
He's doing stage. No, he's doing stage plays. He's been working, you know. He wrote uh, Running Through Corridors. He's a busy man. He hasn't got time to be writing big finish audios every week. No, I suppose. Honestly, he's got a career. Um, oh, there's a few more I missed. Sci Hart yeah. also says, does Bang Bang A Boom push the boundaries of what you can do with humour in Doctor Who? Um, it's probably about as far as you can go before the parody sort of tips over a cliff. Yes. Mm. Oh, and Darren Lit Randalls also says, there was a period where Doctor Who on audio meant sadism. Sayward did it in Slip Back, yep. Sound of Grant being beaten up. Then Let's did it in his 90s audios then and here. Not my idea of a good time, some nice moments aside. Yeah, I can true. understand. If you're in yeah, for but the that's, fun... But that's the 90, that's like the 90s New Adventures stuff, isn't it? But I think he's talking about Jubilee there as well. Yeah. But we're just sort of still coming out of that time. Well, I can understand what, if you wouldn't like the nastier elements of Jubilee. Like, it is very adult for Doctor Who. Do you know what, though? Do you know what? I forgot. There's one line I forgot to mention. What? You know, the bit where they're on the transolar disc and they're going over war, you know, the war torn London. And Colin Baker goes, Well, what's happened? It's all a ruin. And he goes, Well, my father, he had a, an idea to completely destroy the city and then build it up again in his own image. Well, what happened? Well, he lost interest. You know, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So it's very funny as right. well. Now it's quiz time. Oh, my God. And I can't think of anybody I've met in my life that gives oral as audaciously as you do. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> okay, who wants to go first? Uh, I'm going to ask you a question about the Church and the Crown. Okay. Who does the Doctor mention he was a protege of in Church of the Crown? Leonardo da Vinci? No. Oh, something like that. Harry Houdini. Oh, it's all... Yeah, okay. They come up a lot in these. Oh, no. Uh, your question is, what year is Church of the Crown set in? Oh, you always ask me this, and I'm always <laughs> out by about 300 <laughs> years. 17... 1798. 1626. Oh, I'm out by 150 years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so my question for Bang Bang A Boom is... Which previous story mentioned I Will Survive was the national anthem of Earth? Which previous story? As in a Big Finish story? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they set it up. One that we've had? Yeah. Oh, The One Doctor? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's one of the, the questions, questions for Mentos. Yes. I'd have to hurry you. Hurry, 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 hurry. <laughs> okay, well, my question for you is, obviously, you've got the uh, song contest happening in mm. Bang Bang A Boom, yeah. but what number song contest is it that is taking place oh god uh the 15th intergalactic song contest no what is it 309 oh <laughs> <laughs> i was 100 out again okay well then your question for jubilee is oh fuck it i answered this question earlier in the episode uh, okay what is dalek juice ah uh, well they obviously um it's the juice from when they burn and thingy the dalek they boil it. They boil it, yeah. Ooh, it's horrible, oh, isn't no. it? Okay, well, what is Dalek Squash and Dalek Aid? It's just Dalek Squash and Lemonade with the name Dalek at the front of it. <laughs> That's the best line. <laughs> yeah. That's basically Doctor Who in 2006. Well, my question for you is how is Dalek juice made? So Is it? Yeah. Well, so, okay, so draw. it's when they boil the Dalek yes, in the shell. <laughs> <laughs> we always get the same questions. Oh, what okay, a fabulous there we run are. that was. That was brilliant. You know, I feel as if 
this has been the perfect antidote after all of that once and future nonsense. Yeah. To go back... Oh, don't start this again. jump into these absolute classics of the yeah. past. Well, so say where we're going next, because it is Nashi Necromantia and that we're not going to the main range oh, straight away. Oh, shame. It's just the way that it works. Where are we going instead? Time. I want to we go back to the main range. to do Dalek Empire oh, yes. Series 2. Remember what we said earlier... Peak Dick Briggs. Yeah. I think Dalek Empire number two is even better than number one. Well, I can't remember anything about it, so we've got those four stories. Da, 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 (laughs) da, 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 da. So that is the end today, and we will see you soon for Dalek Empire series two. What I would like you hoes to do is not to forget to finish finish Big. Big.